0: Turn your Bibles to uh, Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. If you're using the Pew Bible, uh, the one that may be in front of you, it's on page 215. Uh, but in the passage in Joshua chapter 24, uh, what you have is Joshua as the leader of, of the nation of Israel. They've been, they've been going from place to place, they've been fighting battles. Uh, and they basically are now ready to break and disperse and go out into the, the promised land. All the land that they fought and, and battled for and they've, they've had victory over, now they're going to spread out. And so one tribe's going to go over here, one tribe's going to go over there. And so Joshua gathers them all up. He says, huddle up guys, we're going to have a conversation. And, uh, and it's what he asked for and what he talks with them about that I want to talk with you about today. We're in a sermon series called Simplify. And the idea is, is, what is it that we need in our lives that we need to keep, and what are the things in our lives that we need to get rid of? And uh, there was a college professor, you guys may have heard this uh, sermons illustration before, but I, just, I think it's really important to help us understand what we're talking about. There's is, is this college professor, he gets up in front of his class, and he gets out a big mason jar, and he takes like five round like fist-sized rocks, and he puts them inside, the jar and he asks the class, is, is the jar full? And they all go, Yeah, it's full. And then he takes pebbles and he puts the pebbles in it and it fills up the space around the large rocks. And then he says, all right, now is it full? They, yeah, yeah, it's full. He goes, okay, then he gets sand, pours the sand in it, goes in between the pebbles, goes around the large rocks. Now is it full? Yeah, yeah, now it's full. Then he gets water, right? He takes the water, he pulls it up, pours it in there, fills it up. Now is it full? Okay, now it's full and then he takes it and he dumps it all out <laughs> takes the five smooth stones puts them to the side takes everything else pours it back into the jar which is usually about you know half full at this point point. and then he takes the five stones and he goes to put them into the jar they won't fit only two and a half will fit there's two whole stones that won't fit into the jar and that's 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 really what we're talking about with this series is that in your life the big stones are what's really the most important. Those things have to go first, and then everything else fall around it. But what we tend to do is we tend to be, we tend to have the crisis of the urgent. Like, what is it right now that I have to deal with? What's occupying, what's the emergency thing that I have to deal with right this second? And that's what fills my jar. That's what comes into my heart, into my life and so what I want you to do is, is to take four weeks to take some time and sit down and go Lord what are the big stones that have to come in first what has to have top priority over everything else what needs to be first and so the first thing we looked at was Bible study I encourage you to be in God's Word uh, God's Word is incredibly important that you be in regularly and then we talked about prayer alright and then today we're going to talk about an idea of commitment but we're going to look at it from a little bit different perspective all right, and so before we jump into Joshua chapter 24, let's pray. Lord, we just, uh, we've gathered here as a, a body of believers, of people that love you and are seeking to um, be obedient to you, seek to uh, commit ourselves to you. We seek to, to, uh, to sing your praises. And so, Lord, I just pray that uh, every person that you've brought into this room will be able to uh, understand your word this morning, that they'll be able to take it and apply it to their hearts. And Lord, if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you, that has never given their heart and their life to you, Lord, may that day be today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, look at Joshua chapter 24. We're going to start with verse fourteen and again we've had this little huddle up we've had this powwow he's gonna he's going to give them some words and that's what we're gonna look at this morning so the first thing we're gonna look at is the cost of commitment look at verse fourteen now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed." and the Lord drove out before us all the peoples the Amorites who lived in the land therefore we shall also will serve the Lord for he is our God so look at verse 14 it says therefore now therefore fear the Lord in light of all that he has done the fact that they were slaves that they they went through all of the 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 visions and the miracles that we see in the exodus passages and the stories in light of all that God has done and God has spoken through Joshua reminding them of all that he's done he says to fear the Lord So the first thing that we see is that uh, we are to treat God with a reverence we are to uh, give him what he deserves and requires in the way in which we treat him so these last comments these things in which he's saying look you guys are about to go off into your promised land there's, no, there's not going to be any more battles to fight there's not going to be any more land to conquer now you're going to go off and, and establish your homes, and it says uh, in Deuteronomy 6 is that you're going to go to, you're gonna go to, to you're gonna, there's going to be vineyards there that you didn't plant, there's going to be houses there you didn't build, there's going to be uh, all, all, you know, uh, cisterns there that you didn't dig, all these things will be there, and they're going to go in, and we tend to have this tendency that if we don't have a battle to fight, and if everything's been won for us, and the God has gone before us, we have this tendency to forget him and so joshua was saying look you're about to go off uh, and we're about to go and do this thing don't forget him. fear therefore fear the Lord so to fear the Lord is to treat him in the way that he deserves and that he requires and when we were younger uh, are independent on and we respected and we we feared our parents that's a natural tendency it's a good thing and we know that if we stepped out of line there would be discipline that would come and so uh, that's how it is to have this relationship with God and so and it says also and to serve him with all faithfulness so Joshua says you know that God loves you because gone." he goes through this laundry list of all these things that God has done and I think in our minds we could think what are the things that God has done for us we could go through this laundry list of things that God has done serve him in light of this love serve him But notice that fear comes before service and this is kind of our first big thing I want you to understand is that we're called to be God's people and I think that most of us will say yeah we're supposed to serve in some capacity we're supposed to do something for the Lord that's what Christians are known for right Christians start hospitals they originated orphanages they they typically are known for serving and feeding the poor and all you're supposed to do these things right you're supposed to serve but notice that fear of the Lord comes first before serve the Lord you fear the Lord and then you serve the Lord it's done if we serve first without fear then we tend to do it because it makes us feel good or uh, it makes us look good or for some other reason that brings glory to God we we go after and we serve and you go look what I have done right look how wonderful I am or look at this makes me feel good you know to go and to help the poor people and and that's that's not why we do it right we, we go and we serve in a fear of the Lord and, and the fact that what all the things that God has done for us, and we, we love him and we respect him, we want to bring honor to his name, therefore we then serve. We serve out of love and humbleness of who we are before a mighty God, and we serve with a thankful heart. And so we love, we honor, we fear first, then we serve. And then he goes on to say, uh, put away the gods, throw away the gods in the minds of the people these gods were very much like the Greek and Roman gods these gods of different towns and different, uh, different villages and things that they would go to each one would have their own god and they very much were similar to the Greek and the Roman gods where they had uh, personalities and they lose their tempers or they were they were very a uh, personification they they, were, they had characteristics like people and so they would uh, go, and if I could, if this God got mad at me, I'll just move over here, you know. If or if, if I want if I want my crops to to be do well, then I'll give uh, uh, offering to this God, and that's kind of how that was. And they would fight and they would kill one another. These gods would go after, and then they would just be resurrected. And so the religion appealed to the Hebrews because it was very materialistic. It was what's in it for me? I'm going to to serve this God because of what I get out of it. I'm going to. Do this offering or sacrifice this thing so that my crops will grow. Fulfill my needs. Give me pleasure. And God says that's not why we do this. That's not why you serve. You serve because you love God first, then you serve. And it says choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. To serve comes with this Hebrew word which means bond servant. Choose this day of who you will enslave yourself to. A bondservant was a person who placed himself in the service of another person. You might be very poor. You couldn't support your family. So you would voluntarily become a bondservant of another person. Could be you had a debt that you had to pay back. So you would put yourself under someone as a bondservant. And so you would serve them. He says, choose this day whom you're going to make yourself a bondservant to. Who will you voluntarily say, I am going to serve this person? In the, in the Old Testament, uh, if you served under someone, after six years, you were supposed to be released. You could, it wasn't an indefinite forever thing. You pay off your debt, you do whatever it was, after six years, you're released from that contract. But if it happened to be that you like this family, you love this family that you served under, you, you said, hey, you know what, if the conditions were pretty good, I think I would like to remain as a bondservant. I'd like to remain in this position forever. I think it's a good thing for me which happened on a, uh, enough of a time that they had a, a a part of where you would take you would go to the temple you say I want to remain in this so you would go to the temple you would take your earlobe and place it on a door and they would take an owl and <tosh> stick it into your earlobe and therefore you are forever a bondservant of this family you have voluntarily placed yourself as a bondservant under this family and so this is what this is what Josh was saying choose today who you're going to be a bondservant under. But, and he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua's not questioning. He's not trying to figure this out. He knows. He's like, as of this day, I have made the choice. I am resolute in this decision. Me and my family, we will follow the one true God. I am determined. I am resolved. This is what he's saying here. I have decided that we will serve the Lord. If you're going to be a follower of the one true God, you cannot be in between. You cannot be undecided. It's either you're dead or you were alive. You're either saved or you're lost. There's no halfway. It's like I'm almost saved or I'm almost lost. I'm almost dead. I'm almost alive. You're either one or the other. We're with God or we're against him. You say, well, Drew, that seems to be kind of, kind of harsh. you? Maybe I just haven't decided yet. I'm not against God, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not for him either. I have, I'm kind of undecided at this point. Look what Jesus says on this topic. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Matthew twelve 30. You're either one or the other. You're either a follower of Christ or you're not. You're either a follower of the one true God or you are not. You either give yourself as a bondservant, uh, as a slave to God by faith in Christ, who you give yourself, or you give yourself to the ruler of this world. Scripture is very clear. There's only really two choices. You either say, I'm going to follow the one true God and put myself as a bondservant, a servant of Christ. Paul even refers to himself as a servant of Christ in Philippians 1, like the introduction. Several times he's saying, I have placed myself as a bondservant of Christ. And You say, well, what's the other alternative? still it's the, it's the leader and ruler of this world you cannot serve no one right you say "Well, I'm not a servant of Satan I mean come on that's crazy that's, I'm, I'm not doing that but see the scriptures clear you're either one or the other you say well I'm I'm no one but see, you can't serve no one and you also can't serve both you cannot choose to he says you must choose to whom you will have your allegiance Matthew ten thirty two says so everyone who acknowledges me before men, this is about Jesus, acknowledges me I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven but whoever denies me before men I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven Romans ten nine. if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you'll be saved for with the heart one believes and is justified And with the mouth one confesses and is saved you're saved or you're lost you're a follower of God or you're not so those are the two ways that you cannot follow God there's two ways first you simply decide not to choose at all I'm just not going to make a decision today at the end of our services we'll have a time of invitation you'll see this again and again and again right the gospel typically will be presented and we ask a person to make a decision to become a follower of Christ it might be that you are already a follower of Christ but you need to repent of a sin or you may need to pray about a lost loved one or you whatever it might be God's working in your heart in some way but that's a decision that you make we want you to make a decision you've encountered God's Word God has laid something upon your heart and you must make a decision one way or the other but you cannot simply just not choose to not choose is a decision in itself to live for yourself is to take yourself outside of God's grace place yourself in this selfish place and secondly you decide to grab all the life that you can. This is another way that you can turn against God or rebel against him and say, you know what, I'm just going to live for myself. I'm going to grab life by taking all that I can. I'm just going to go and just do all that I want to do. I'm going to take it all in. I'm going to live life to the fullest. I'm going to just do whatever seems right in my own eyes. I want to have a great time. There's a passage that says, uh, enjoy yourself, eat, drink, and be merry. Right? Eat, drink, and be merry. But there's the second part of that verse. What is it? For tomorrow we die, right? There's consequences for our choices. Right? And so and so we are going to put ourselves as a bond servant under one thing. We're either going to follow the one true God or we are not. And we could eat and we could drink and we could be merry and we could do all these things, but at the end there's going to be a consequence for the thing that we commit ourselves to. I'm going to take my life and commit it to something. And at the end of the day, that commitment is costly. It will cost you something. If I'm going to be a, uh, a husband and I commit myself to a woman, a wife, and I say, I am committed to you, I'm going to, I'm going to marry you, there's a cost with that. What, the cost is I can't go and date other women. Because that would be adultery, right? You would say, there, there's a cost there. Uh, we have children right and so now there's a cost with that commitment that I have with those children I may want to go buy a boat but I can't because they need to eat right so there's a cost there I make a decision I'm going to I'm going to convict. I'm going to put myself into this world and there's a cost and so if we commit ourselves to God There's a cost there, surely, but he has paid the cost. We're going to look at that in just a second. There's a cost there that, yeah, I can't go and do other things and be a follower of God at the same time. But at the same time, if you commit yourself to the other part of that equation, there's a cost there, too. It will cost you something. Then we go to uh, the next thing where it says, as for me and my household, this is Joshua. He doesn't give his family a choice right his small children he's like this is what we're doing and at some point they will make their own decision Christianity uh, is one of those things where uh, you make a decision on your own no one can make that decision for you but Joshua was saying as for this family us we're gonna serve the Lord Deuteronomy 6 I want to just look at that real quick turn in your Bibles if you would if you, you can get there quickly I can't apparently but uh, this is uh, in Deuteronomy it's it's uh, it's talking about you know raising your family and doing different che- uh, things And it says in verse 4 Hear, O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one I can call that the Shema you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your might and these are the words that I command you today that will be upon your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk with them when you sit at the house so when you Walk along the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So you have children in the equation. You are when they're getting up and they're putting on their shoes, you're praying, you're talking about Jesus, you're you're going over a Bible study, when they go to bed, you're kneeling down beside them, you're praying, you're reading a Bible story, you're talking about their day, you're talking about what Jesus did, you're talking about God. It's an ongoing regular conversation as far as what you're doing as a family. It says when you you rise up, when you lay down, when you go about your stuff, you're talking about God. Yes, you could take your kids to a ball game, and you could go fishing, and you could do all these different things, and those are wonderful things. But another way or something else you could add to that equation is that you could serve the Lord together. Uh, one of the things that Kimberly and the decision that we kind of made early on is there's going to be some things we're just not going to be able to do. You just can't do everything, and so what we're going to do is we're going to serve the Lord together, all right? And so we, at one point, we had a small group, uh, a grow group that met in our home in our basement, and the kids would come and they'd play downstairs, and we would, and we did that together as a family. That was a way for us to share the gospel and reach out to the families around us. Was that we did that together as a family. Uh, when we we've had all kinds of church events over the years, that my family has come and, and my kids have been a part of that, they didn't have a choice, right? We didn't really give them a choice. How you guys feel like coming out and helping at the whatever? And like, come out, that's just what we're doing. That's what we do as a family. And as as they get older and they're now off to college, now they've got to make these decisions for themselves. But when they were younger and they were under our roof, this is what this is how we do it. We will serve the Lord. Then he goes on to talk about the choice of commitment. Look at verse 19. But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God, he is a jealous God, and he will not forgive your transgressions for your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. So the reason that you're not able to serve the Lord that he's talking about is because you cannot serve the Lord and serve the world at the same time. The, God's, God's people, we're going to look at in just a second, are trying to do both. And, and Joshua's saying you can't do that. Look at Matthew 6. No one can, This is Jesus talking. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve God in something else. It's only God that you can serve. With regard to prayer, James gives us another example, right? Uh, In in prayer, James 1, 6, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is double-minded. He's unstable in all that he does. He's he's asking, but he's not really expecting God to to answer the prayer. He's double-minded. It doesn't work in prayer. It doesn't work in life. It doesn't work with money. It just doesn't work. You can't do, can't serve two things at the same time. And God says, uh, "You must be devoted to me or not." When we seek to live for ourselves and follow the ways of the world, then we are committed to the world. It's either one or the other. You're either committed to God and living for Him, or you're committed to yourself, selfishly and serving the world. There is no in, inbe- but you can't do both. There's no in between. Service to God then becomes trifle, it becomes meaningless when we just try to serve, to try to do both. We're also seeking to serve God in the flesh. We're doing it in our own strength. We're trying to say, you know what, I could do this. Again, you're in that selfish world. We have to be uh, led by the Holy Spirit. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to be strengthened by God and guided by Him to do what He desires instead of being led by and guided by the holy spirit's wisdom we are guided by what seems right at the time seems right to me made sense to me this is what i'm doing i'm doing it in my own kind of wisdom you can't do that why because he is a holy god he's a holy god it says He is unapproachable in his being. He's set apart. He's different from mankind. He's he's different than us. He's beyond us. He alone is sovereign. He alone is perfect. He alone is all-knowing, all-present. All All these things that make him God and us not God. Because of these things, he alone is worthy to be praised and worshipped. Who does he think he is? Well, he's God. He, He is deserving of that. He is worthy of that. We are not. And then he says he's jealous. All right, so God is jealous when we try to serve do two different things or we go after the world. He's a jealous God. We say, well isn't jealousy wrong? Not if you're God. <laughs> because He is deserving of that. He's worthy of that. He's different from us. When I'm jealous, it may not be right. When He's jealous, it's right because He's God. God's jealousy is just. And it says, he will not forgive your transgressions or your rebellions of your sins. Again, they're trying to go in two different directions at the same time. They're trying to serve two different gods at the same time. And when we do that, there's consequences. Because God loves us. We see uh, here that they're about to go into the Holy Land. They're about to take off and go off and build their things. And then we, we begin to see this cycle begin to happen. And you see it book after book after book, chapter after chapter. Here's what happens. You guys probably know this, but let me just review right? They're about to go off. They're serving the one true God. Everything is wonderful. Everything's wonderful, and there's no problem. There's no enemy on the hillside. There's no battles to fight. The crops are growing. Uh, they're having kids. Everything's wonderful. And in their mind, over time, they began to think, I did this. God didn't do this. I did this. Look how mighty of an army we have. Look how strong I am. Look how smart I am. Look how hardworking I am. I did this. And, and they begin to walk away from God. The God that got them there, the God that freed them from slavery, the God that did all of these things, he, the God that enabled them to have this, all these different things, they walk away. They rebel. So God sends them a message, right, through a prophet or, or something. He goes, hey look, uh, you guys are getting off base here. Uh, you need to turn around and get back to God. And, go, and of course they go, no, we're not listening to you. Get out of here, you loser, you know, whatever. So they, they, they don't listen to the prophet. Then disaster comes. Most of the time, uh, it's an army that comes in and, and attacks them, and then they suddenly start praying to God again. Have, has that ever happened to us, right? We don't pray. We don't spend God, time in God's Word. We don't, and then suddenly disaster strikes, and then we're like, oh, 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 and then we start praying to God again. Then we start following him. The disaster goes away, and then things kind of come back to the crops are growing, and there's no armies to fight, and everything's wonderful. That's great. And then guess what happens? Time goes up. It's a cycle that repeats again and again. This is the very beginning of the cycle. right? So there's going to be consequences for our rebellion because God loves us. Thirdly, the consecrated life and commitment. Look at verse 22. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. It's like, look, you're going to be a witness. You know, we're going to mark this down. We're going to write this down. And they said, we are witnesses, he said. Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve and his voice, we will obey. And so Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And, t- and he took a large stone and put it up there under the terebinth. Ter- that was by the sanctuary of the Lord and Joshua said to all the people behold this stone shall be a witness against us for it has heard all the words the Lord has spoken to us therefore it shall be a witness against you lest you deal falsely with your God again the whole context of this passage is that the nation is confirming their covenant with the Lord we we are witnesses we are going to do this we we're going to follow the one true God we're, we we're promising to do that here that's what they're saying all right, and so and so this dialogue begins to take the feeling of like a legal proceedings. Right, you're going to be a witness, and we're going to write it down, and it's going to be marked forever. And in this legal context, witnesses are called to witness an agreement, and they do it. They they it's legally binding here, and they would never forget the solemnness of this day. Right, this is a serious time. They are they are committing to do this. There's a couple of times of events in my life that were solemn times in which I made a commitment I remember when the pastor came to our vacation Bible school when I was nine years old we were in craft time and we were making a little one of those uh, paper things which you make a box and you blow it up and it puffs up I remember and you look inside and it had the scripture verses on the like I remember making that pastor comes in and he goes hey listen you know you guys have and I don't remember exactly what he said but he's like if you're interested basically in uh, praying to receive Christ or being forgiven of your sin you want to talk about the gospel something along those lines come with me and I stood up immediately medium like I think I I want to go talk about that I want to go learn more about that and I went into this side class with about five other kids and he went through the gospel and I prayed to receive Christ I remember I knew I was a sinner I knew that I need to be forgiven of my sin I knew that Jesus came and died for me on the cross I needed to make a decision I needed to commit to him. I knew that, like I understood that as a kid, and I and I remember what the paneling looked like on that wall. I remember uh, what the pastors looked like. I remember the other kids. The, like I remember that moment. It's etched in my brain of a commitment that I made. Another commitment that I made when I was twenty something. Right, I had on a suit, and I stood in front of, in a church, and my bride was on my other side. And it's on video, and, uh, but I do remember it. Uh, and, and, I, and, uh, and I said something along the lines of, you know, this is my solemn vow. Like, I, I, am, I am vowing this. I understand the importance of the gravity uh, that's, that's happening right now. And I remember, I remember what she looked like. I remember what I looked like. I remember the, the room. You, you remember the times in which you fully commit yourself to something. Here at Shechem, God's people are, are, there's this stone that's there. They're going to remember this day, right? They're going to remember so-and-so was standing over there, and Joshua was standing over there, and I said this. I made this commitment. I am committing to this. And so it's etched in their brains. We are witnesses. Let us be judged by our own mouths if we are ever false to our God. We remember this. There's a commitment here. If we if we don't take commitments if if we take commitments lightly we tend to not remember them oh, yeah 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 I'll do that Drew will you take out the trash yeah 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 I'll, I'll do that that's probably not going to happen right I'm just I'm not fully committed to that but what you fully commit yourself to it's etched in there you remember it and so he's and that's what's going on here is God is impressing upon them the importance of this there's a calling to a commitment so why why do this before they go off go out uh, and 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 kind of establish their things this is a call to purge themselves of sin that's within their families because you can't serve two gods at the same time you can't you can't do all this so Joshua's reminding them God's done all of these things for you you need to commit yourself to him And so here you have this picture of these families going, we will follow you, we will follow the one true God, we will listen and do what he says. Guys, listen. Why why would you have this as part of your, like, simplify series? Sin creeps in to your family constantly. There is a constant creep. It doesn't kick the door in. Right? There is no like ta ta ta. There's no confetti that comes down and says, Look, this is sin. It doesn't work like that. It comes in slowly. It creeps in like a vine, slowly coming in, slowly coming in. And so before you know it, that which you months or years before would have been horrified at, now it's sitting at the table. Right? Now it's there. It's a part of what you do. It's normal how many of us right have found ourselves horrified at something like this that's awful that's gross that's 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 not that's not appropriate and then time goes by and then suddenly you know what I thought it was bad but it's not really that bad and then before you know it now you're like it's not bad at all in fact it's a good thing what was once evil has now become good like is that how that's not how that's how it works And so the goal is is that you have to constantly be aware that sin is going to find itself into you and in your family. It's a slow creep. And so there has to be that constant, hey look, let's let's just evaluate how things are. Let's evaluate is there something that needs to go, that has found its way in, right? Is something stinky in the room, let's figure out what it is so we can get it out. Right? Let's let's not keep allowing this to happen. Can't serve the world and God at the same time. And eventually, God gets pushed out of the picture. That's the five stones in the jar. Eventually, if you allow it to creep in and come in and creep in and come in, eventually, pop, 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 you're going to be looking at that jar, and there's not going to be any five stones in it. It's going to be all trash. So you have to constantly push it out. Where did they get these God's? Joshua, they've been fighting the battles, Uh, they've they've come in and and these families have got these little gods in their house Where, where did they get the gods from? verse 15, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living they got them from their parents there are gods that we serve that our grandparents and our parents have given to us and you don't even know it right it, granddad served that God dad served that God and now I serve that God we all just we all put it on the little shelf and as a family we bow down to it dad granddad did it dad did it I'm doing it and, and Josh was like look you got to get rid of that trash out of your house the idols have to go you need to, that's part of our prayer and our regular Bible study is that as you are studying God's word and you're praying, these little things will pop up, right? You'll be, they'll pop up off the page and you'll be like, oh, I just realized I'm still doing that, right? My dad did that, granddad did that, and now I'm doing that. There it is. Get it rid of it. Get it out of the house. Get rid of the gods. There's also the Amorite gods. That's the gods of the people they conquered, right? So they've gone through, they've conquered the Amorites. And now they're bowing down to their God, so their God was so powerful that they got conquered. What's going on with that? Here's what's going on with that, is that um, they find themselves in a culture, they're immersed in a culture, they're going through a culture, and they tend to take on their characteristics of the culture. Instead of them influencing the culture, the culture is influencing them right? We're Christians. We're going to go out, we're going to share the gospel, we're going to rend the, rend the community for Christ, and we're going to do all these things for Him, and we're going to begin to, to see the needle move toward godliness and holiness and being more like Christ and these type of things. But what we find ourselves is going out and engaging in culture, and before we know it, culture begins to affect us. And instead of becoming godly and holy and righteous, we become worldly, and we begin to go away from God's standard. So, the Israelites had won the victory after victory, but they were exposed to these people. And instead of making a difference, they were affected. It's entirely possible that where Joshua sets up this memorial under this tree that's there in Shechem, scholars believe that it's a good possibility that this is the spot where Abraham had worshipped in Genesis chapter 12. And at the root of this, tree is where Jacob had buried the idols, right? He, he found charms, and he found these idols in his own family. This was a previous patriarch, right? He buried them under this tree. Abraham was there, he buried his stuff. Jacob was there, he buried his stuff. And then now, here we are with Joshua under this same tree at Shechem. There's a good thing that he is going to say, look, let's bury our stuff right here. Let's dig a hole, and let's all bury our stuff right here in this, in this hole. There's a tendency to dig up and pull up old idols and to keep those in the ground and to get rid of some more idols. Let's put those in the ground. Let's bury them. That's what's going on here in this text. It's not time to dig up the idols, but to dig another hole. There's been a time in every generation where... The people say, I renounce the false gods even of my father. I choose to follow the one true God. Every generation has to have a time when we do that. But not just once. We have to do it again and again and again. We have to have a part of our spiritual discipline, a part of our life is saying, Lord, is there sin that has crept into my life that now I am am not as righteous or I'm holy? Is there something I need to give up that I am now clutching to that I didn't before? There will be a time... When the Joshua, this old, this he's he's old at this point. He knows his days are limited on earth. He knows that the next generation has to step up and make a commitment. He's got to make a commitment, but the next generation has to make a commitment. And when we make a commitment that engages the whole person—your mind, your heart, your soul—we don't forget it. It's there. When when we take when we make steps of commitment toward God, we don't forget it. Shechem would be a special place for the people because it was there where they renewed their commitment to the Lord. Every time they would pass by this tablet, every time they passed by the tree, every time they go through the town at Shechem, they would say, "I remember this is where I, I recommitted. This is where I rededicated. However you want to phrase it, phrase it. This is where I remembered. I made a commitment to God to constantly be committed to Him." Why have this public display at all? Like, why, why, why does Joshua, when, they, when they're all kind of, all there, why didn't he just say, okay, guys, um, see ya, we'll see ya later. And they all just kind of disperse at that point to go to their different tribes. Why go through this, like, ceremony? Why do this? When people are at rest and they have no battles to fight, when they have no armies on the horizon or enemies in the rear, they forget God. So he has to have this time in which you say, look, remember the the day in which we all gathered here and we did this. They forget all that God's done for them and the, the relationship they have with him and the reason that they're safe, the reason they have peace, the reason they have all these things is because of the one true God. And so as the Israelites are going to the land of peace and rest, Joshua wants to give them one last reminder to encourage them to recommit themselves to the Lord so this is why I think it's important that as part of your spiritual discipline part of your walk with the Lord is that you have moments that you take a step back and you say hey look I need to just kinda reevaluate and relook at how things are going And am I fully committed to the Lord or have I allowed the world to creep in the Holy Spirit if you're a follower of Christ you have the Holy Spirit within you and you ask that prayer in sincerity he will show you he will he will tell you you, you, even now, you may have something in your brain that's popped up that you're like, yep, that probably needs to go. That's a distraction for me right now. That's something that I, five years ago was not a thing, but now it's a thing, and it's, it's affecting my walk with the Lord. It needs to go. You can't serve two masters, serve one or the other. And God is a jealous God. He doesn't let you sit there and trying to serve both, because you can't. He wants your full attention. He wants all of your life all that you are. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Joshua and his call of commitment to the people. And Lord, also, uh, I just wanted to have just a, a moment where we come before you and we say, Lord, is there anything in my life that has crept in that has now come before you? Lord, forgive me for that. Lord, show me how to put steps in place where that can be gone. Lord, show me how to put something else in its place. Lord, show me how to be more committed to you today than I was yesterday and the day before. Lord, I want to grow in holiness and righteousness. I want to become more like Christ every day. Forgive me for my sin and for the times in which I try to hang on. Uh, because of whatever it, I think I get out of that, forgive me for that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace going to come.